Welcome to the From the Rumble Seat podcast. How's everybody doing? My name is Tyler Duke, and I'm here with Kiefer. How you doing tonight, Kiefer? I've had better weeks. <laughs> Busy week, and uh, Joey also is not able to join us this week, and we're already a day late. We've kind of, I think, all been busy trying to get on here at the same time, so just be us two like the first week, and I was gone last week, and nobody would have wanted to hear my voice trying to be on that podcast. <laughs> cracked, and it's still a little rough. I can't get seem to get rid of this cold or whatever's going on. All right, so plenty to talk about, and obviously I listened last week, and you know, looking back at Miami, and we were just mentioning this, and you've rewatched it. You know, outside of the two plays, it wasn't a bad game offensively, especially uh, that you know they moved the ball and some good plays, some good perimeter blocking. They really moved the ball on the outside pretty well. And then you had uh, Deidre Mills really took over. What drive was that? In the, is that third quarter where he took probably yeah, had six or seven I carries so. on one drive? I have the stats, but he looked really good. Kind of that was really the first game this year where the B-back dive really got going for a little while. So that was nice to see. But it was two plays, so – We'll start on offense. Kiefer, what did you see when you went back and watched in terms of maybe some of the blocking? And obviously we know kind of what happened on those those two plays that were returned for touchdowns. Yeah, what I was impressed with this week was the backs, uh, A-backs and B-backs. They were getting more than what they were given, which last year they were given nothing and they got nothing. This year they've been giving a little, and they're getting a little bit more than that. Uh, especially Dedrick Mills, I think he has answered that call more than anyone and you saw guys like uh, Lynn Griffin, uh, J.J. Green, Clinton Lynch. They were making guys miss. They were getting past that one guy that got through the line of scrimmage, and then the rest of the blocking was pretty good. Uh, but we still have that issue where there's at least one guy getting through. It'll, generally on most plays, somebody messed up a block, and it's not always going to be perfect, but it's up to the backs to generally make at least one guy miss to make a play. You know, everyone's got a responsibility. So seeing that this week was definitely a big positive for me. Uh, I'm excited about the backs that we have and the young talent that we have. And I still have some hope for the offensive line that they'll continue to develop. We really need Shamir Devine back. Uh, guard has been an unmitigated disaster, uh, even even with him. He need, But it's been a little bit better with him. So... I, you know, I was encouraged by the offense this week. Way better than last week. Uh, they, they definitely looked good. Um, the receiver position is starting to worry me a little bit, but I, I was very impressed with, with how we ran. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get into the receivers in a little bit. I know there's a question about them because when I look back, that's at this point that's really my main concern of the offense because – to me, Justin Thomas has looked pretty good throwing the ball this year when oh, he's yeah. had people open. He's he's hitting people uh, on target for the most part, but there's just no separation. There's, there's nothing happening. And the pass protection hasn't been good, but at the same time, a lot of that is because Thomas is looking out and seeing nothing, and he's kind of panicking, and he's coming backward, and, and you know they're going to get to him at some point. So that's a huge concern for me. And you made a good point about the A-backs because they've – Clinton Lynch is – really in the open field has looked so good the last few weeks. He's really avoiding a lot of tackles. We saw J.J. Green make a few plays because he's been kind of quiet, and he made a few plays. And then obviously Mills was 
just really up the middle. And he, he looked fast on, on Saturday too, just getting through the hole. So to me, a, a lot of positives. And, and I made a point in my recap after the game about how the, the game that was played on Saturday mirrored what happened in 2014 except for the turnovers. I mean, you look at yardage, it's, it's 361, 371, time possession, 40 minutes both seasons, 73 plays, 72 plays, five yards per play, 22 to 21 first downs. I mean, the offense played the exact same. And in 2014, they won by, what, 10 points? Or what was that final score? Seven? I don't remember. 28, 28-21, yeah, something like that. So, and the difference was, 2014, Miami made two turnovers, interceptions. I think one was deep down in the Tech territory that I think Golden picked off. And in 2016, it was three turnovers by Georgia Tech, none by Miami. And two of those turnovers were obviously returned for touchdowns. So I think people are panicking a little more about that game in particular because of those plays. Obviously, you don't want to see those two plays. But, you know, when you look at how the team played overall, I was pleased compared to what happened against Clemson for the most part. And defensively, it uh, it was – Kind of a lot of the same that we've keep we've been same seeing. Same old, same old. Yep, it's the run defense up the middle has continued to look pretty good, but we saw Miami really expose the edge and getting around the outside. Uh, defensive ends didn't look great, kind of containing that, and the corners weren't getting up and making plays. So that was a problem, and we saw a little bit, a little bit of that against Clemson too. And that's probably something I'm sure Pittsburgh will try to expose because up the middle it's looked good, but. Miami really got around the edge, and all of their big runs were around the edge. And passing was just, you know, it's just it's, it's frustrating when the, the quarterback just doesn't look like they're having to sweat. Some good pass rush at times, but when they're making throws, it's just so many wide-open throws, and it, and it looks easy. Um, anything you saw defensively on Saturday that was any different from what we've seen all season? No, not really. But um, it's interesting that you talked about the edge – um, both of those long outside runs for touchdowns were run at Keishan Freeman. And I, I wrote an article this week that it's time for Antonio Simmons to take his job. And I really do stand by that. You know, Simmons isn't perfect. He didn't always set the edge perfectly uh, against the run. But a lot of times he was getting off his blocks and he was running down the back because he's that athletic. I think it's time that we put our most effective pass rusher on the field with Rod Chungong, who is the most effective edge setter on the team. I mean, te- teams know this. They're not running at, at mm-hmm. him. They're running at Freeman. Uh, so that that is something I definitely want to see going forward, and I, I did see that that is a possibility this week, that Simmons will get more playing time. He probably won't start, but even though he should. But I would like to see him get some more snap, snaps. Coverage is the same old, same old. Tackling in space, same old, same old. Uh, it did kind of. I noticed that you know Lamont Simmons went out. I'm not sure why. I don't know if it was over. He he definitely also messed up on one of those long outside runs. Um, Freeman didn't help, but Simmons was unblocked and got turned around. So I don't know if they benched him if he was hurt or something. But I mean, we were we were sitting there with Lance Austin and Dorian Walker, and it's, that wasn't going to be very effective. Not against the caliber of Miami's athlete. So I, I this week. With Pitt coming into town, I'm, I'm looking for a little bit more stout defense, especially since we're better against the run. Uh, hopefully we can shore up those edges a little bit and, and force them to beat us in the air. If mm-hmm. they do that, honestly, I'll be okay with it. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if I just don't know if Freeman's healthy. He just doesn't seem to have that explosiveness. I think we've talked about that a little bit, but yeah. it's just kind of lacked it so far this season. And and yeah, with Pitt, I mean they're they're mostly a power running team, and I think that helps the defense a little bit if they're trying to run at the middle. But they've also obviously got fantastic backs, and they're they're going to challenge them. And we'll, we'll talk about that game a little Pittsburgh a little bit. Tech is really. Uh, more of an underdog than I expected coming in. I think just you know, the ESPN, the ACC people uh, unanimously picked Pitt. I think it's like eight points now, obviously yeah. on the road. But it seems like a lot because I, I know Clemson was ugly, but Pittsburgh hasn't looked great. I think it's defense. It's mostly the problem is through the air, but its defense hasn't been anywhere near what we maybe expected. Um, and so I, I think, I don't know. I kind of like that they're coming in here, pretty big underdog, and it's it's time for them to really step up. Mm-hmm. So what are you looking at uh, this week as the key, we'll say, often, for, for Georgia Tech offensively to kind of expose Pitt? And do we maybe hope to see some different guys on the on, at receiver now because that's been Pitt's problem is, is going against the pass? Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm looking at – I want to see some Jalen Camp. I want to see – well – I keep saying we want to see Christian Philpott, but I don't know that he's going to be ready. Uh, But honestly, you look at last year when our offense was absolutely atrocious with many of the same personnel uh, at the running back positions. We moved the ball pretty well on Pitt Mm -hmm. in the run game. People were hyping up Pitt at the beginning of the season, but I looked back at last year, and, and Pitt was one of the few teams that just could not stop us because they didn't have the speed to do it. So if we're going to beat Pitt... It's going to go beyond the pass game. It's going to have to be speed. I want to see some Marcus Marshall in this game. He had a monster game against Pitt last year. Yep. Putting him on the edge, complete mismatch. They had no answer for it. I think there is a speed advantage that we have that we can exploit against Pitt. I don't really expect to get much going up the middle, and I honestly expect there to be a few drives where we get run over on the defensive side of the ball. But mm-hmm. If we can outspeed them... We can at least make it close like last year and hope we don't get that ridiculous ending that we got last year. Beat on a kick. Beat yeah. on a record kick from a guy named Blewett. <laughs> yeah. Um, speed, that's, you're right about the speed thing, and I would maybe compare Pitt's defense a little bit to Vanderbilt in that sense where they're, they're pretty stout, but they're not very fast. And, and Tech moved the ball pretty well in Vanderbilt, and I think they will against Pitt. The problem last year was those – just death marches that Pitt had running the ball and it was mostly up the middle and like we've said the run defense up the middle seems to you know have improved a lot this season so I'm hoping that won't be as effective and if they can limit that I think this is a game that Tech can easily win and if they do it's it'll get the season going back in the right direction after the last two games and just Miami was just so frustrating because all you can think about looking back are those two plays and what would have changed if those didn't happen because, I mean, Miami's ranked 10th in the nation now. Yeah. I think people are, maybe even Georgia Tech fans, are kind of looking past how people are looking at Miami right now. Most They think they beat Florida State. All of a sudden Miami's deep inside the top 10 and really the ACC's, well, I don't know, second or third best chance at a playoff game. Um, I'll start with the questions now, and this is a good one by uh, Paul to start things out, he says, where's the excitement? 
just talks about the excitement slipping away a little bit, nothing tangible in the air like it was in 14 or beginning of the last two seasons. Where is it gone? What has caused it to wane? Are the players having fun? Seems everyone plays plays better when they're having fun and they're playing loose. Are the players putting too much pressure on themselves and, and playing too tight? And what needs to change to correct these issues? Uh, you want to start on that? Yeah, I wouldn't say that they're playing too tight. Uh, they, they seem to be having fun still, and they seem to still believe in themselves, and that's definitely a big part of it. I think a lot of it falls on us as fans. I mean, hell, the attendance has been pitiful, and I get that we've been bad, and we were bad last year, but they feed off you, especially when we had these stretch of, you know, we wasted the stretch of four home games, it feels like, uh, because, you know, people didn't show up and support the team. And I think there's also a little bit of revisionist history going on with 2014 as well. you got to remember, we started off hot, and there was a lot of excitement, and then we had those two back-to-back losses, and the air came completely out of the boat. boat. Yep. And I was sitting there after the UNC loss, looking at it like, there's no way we're going to be an effective team with this defense. I wouldn't be surprised to see us lose, you know, three, four more games from here on out. And you know what? We just turned it around. And, and I honestly, I revised my history with 2014 a bit. I was terrified every game. I thought we were going to lose. And then we just kept winning. Even the Orange Bowl, I was sitting down there in Miami, so I was like, oh, please don't embarrass me in front of everyone. Uh, but and then we ended up just stomping Mississippi State. So, you know, the energy, I think, I think people are kind of thinking that we had more energy than we did in 2014. We definitely had a good bit of energy, but I don't think it was as much as people think. And, and this year, I think the young players have good energy. I think there's good chemistry. I, I do want to see a more vocal leader. That's the big thing I think we're missing. Justin Thomas has never been the vocal leader, but there needs to be one. Um, if there's one gripe I have about energy, it's that. And, well, and us. The things that we can control as fans, failing pretty miserably at that too. Yeah, uh, the the fan thing is a good point because I think the expectations after what happened in 2014 are a little bit ridiculous in some ways about what people are expecting out of this team, and that that hurts it a lot. And then when there's a loss, it's like nobody wants to show to a game anymore. Miami was just just pitiful because Vanderbilt actually was pleasantly surprised. It was ugly at first, but People showed up pretty well, and it was loud. And then, obviously, Clemson happened. And then, yeah, like I said, Miami. I mean, there was just the students. There was nobody there for the whole first quarter. It started to fill up in the second quarter, and then Miami took that big lead, and half of them left again. And, obviously, a ton of Miami fans there, which is there's a lot of Miami fans in Atlanta, but still. So that's, that's part of it, I think, is the expectations. And we're getting let down as fans, and that doesn't help. And then – that was the thing. The 2014 team had so many leaders, experienced leaders with, you know, Sinjin and, and Lasky and Shaq Mason and all those guys. And that really changed that team. And that's they, they just don't have that right now with the leadership. I think Freddie Burden seems like a pretty good leader just watching his interviews. Uh, Thomas, you know, like, like you said, he's just not much of a vocal leader. And it's just a lot of young guys, so I don't think they have that leadership, which creates some excitement and and optimism within the group. So yeah, I mean, I agree with you a little bit, Paul. And I think part of it is the fans, and 
just as, as some of these guys grow that are playing a lot, a lot right now that are young will help a lot too. And we will move on. Some questions about the, the students and people sent pictures of UGA student section, which isn't great comparison, but yeah, I agree. It was pretty ugly. Um, this is from Yellow Jacket Heritage. Justin Thomas, what happened to his ability to escape the pocket, run downhill, and outsprint his defenders, a.k.a. has he slowed down from 2014? Will he ever learn not to place the mistakes on his shoulders and break down the first scoop and score play and whose fault it is? O-line or just great defensive play call from Miami? Um, I don't think he's really much slower. He, he's gained a little weight, which is what the bug man said, just to get some strength, which is something he needed. But it's also, I mean, it's just a lack of him being in space a whole lot. I think when we've seen him in space, he's made some great moves, and we saw him in space a lot more in 2014. Um, on the scoop and score, I haven't gotten to see it again. It says the first scoop and score. So what happened there, Kiefer, when he got sacked? That just looked well, like a missed block. Yeah, it was it was a misassignment. I, I was harping on Will Bryan earlier in the game because he uh, had a choice between two men to block, and he took the outside one, which led to an immediate sack. You always take the inside one. Mm-hmm. And then for mine goes for the inside one, uh, inside man, except someone was already blocking him, and just the edge rusher had – he wasn't touched. No one paid no, any yeah. attention to him. Yeah. So it was uh, it was a mental lapse by Fermion that led yeah. to that first one. And the second one was Thomas talked about that one. It was something with he said J, it was JJ I think was too close. Which if you watch it, they were like right next to each other, mm-hmm. and it was a pitch play, and he couldn't pitch it, and then he tried to tuck it back in, and it just fell out. Yeah, I'm not sure he should have pitched. I'm not sure he should have even tried to pitch it to JJ. No. That yeah, that was. Kind of, it was a busted type of play. Um, but, I mean, do you think he's lost any speed? I, I haven't really noticed that. I think it's just lack of space. I think they're just paying it. They're just making – teams are making sure they're designing their defenses around not letting him get into space. And on top of that, our blocking isn't allowing him to get into space either. So we're not letting him get in his element, and that's why he's constantly frustrated and mopey. It's because he can't do what he does. Yep. He, he's got the ability, but he, he, he can't do it. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'd like to see it. And he, he got in some space against Vanderbilt and made some awesome moves that looked like 2014 that I talked extensively about. So if we can get him out there, I think he's still got plenty in him. Uh, CT Jacket, and we'll talk about receiver now, he says, given our troubles at wide receiver, is it time to let one of the younger guys start opposite of Stewart or MLD, who seem to be the best blockers, in order to get some separation? Or will June work out his troubles? Um, it's frustrating because I talked a lot about June earlier in the season when he looked so good, and I mentioned he doesn't get separation, but uh, the way he uses his body is effective. But now we're seeing when you're facing Clemson and Miami type of defenses and not Mercer and Vanderbilt that it doesn't work out that, e- that easily and he's facing bigger corners and more talented corners. I think I would like to maybe see somebody take a spot at times, and camp seems to be the – best choice for that just, just we want to see him because you're right about I think Stewart and, and Lance Davis are really good blockers and you, you need a guy that can do that um what do you think there are you want to see June be the guy that gets benched if we see more of camp Ah, uh, I wouldn't say that I honestly would like to see an even rotation I'd like to see them getting in and out a lot I, June brings stuff to the table that Stewart does not uh, Stewart brings a few things to the table that June does not, and camp is kind of an unknown quantity. Uh, we saw him make a great catch that got called back. Um, 
for a penalty, I think, a couple of games. I can't remember. It was either Vanderbilt or Mercer. Yeah, Vanderbilt. Yep. Um, I think he's got a lot of ability, but I don't, you know, scouting camp out of high school, the big negative on him were the same big negatives we had with June. Uh, had to do with separation, uh, but he uses his body well, catches the ball well with his hands. So my, my fear there is, I, you know, putting camp in there still isn't going to give us a guy that blows the top off the defense. Uh, and, and until you see guys like Jair Hawkins-Anderson and perhaps Christian Philpot, which kind of seems like a, a distant legend at this point, <laughs> um, it, those types of guys are going to need to be there for what I think fans are looking for out of the wide receiver position, which is just a guy who can make a defensive coordinator sweat a little bit and get guys out of the faces or out of the face of Justin Thomas because – like we said, we haven't. He hasn't been able to be in space, so he can't be himself, and he doesn't look like himself. You want to make space, stretch the defense. I'm just not sure we. There's a. There's not really a guy on the roster at this point that's ready to play a receiver that is going to provide us what we want to see and taking the top off, like you said. Because yeah, Camp, I don't really think does. Uh, Howell, I guess, is ready, and I don't think he's really that type of guy either. So it it, it could be a while before we get that, and it's something. The tech is really missing from when Smelter and Waller are out there. Just another comparison of why it's this is not exactly the 2014 team. And then another good one from CT Jacket, which I, I wasn't in last week, so I can just give you this, Kiefer. But can you follow up the questions he had last week about Clemson and us? Has your opinion changed at all regarding the loss to Clemson due to the Miami loss and due to what Clemson did to Louisville for the rest of the season? Uh, yeah, I'd definitely say, you know, like I said, I said if Clemson beats Louisville, if Clemson can stop Lamar Jackson, which they kind of didn't, but they they limited him enough, uh, I, I would be very impressed, and I think that would show that you know we lost to a good team. It wasn't just us embarrassing ourselves. Clemson's ridiculous. That defense, uh, you know, the way they contained Lamar Jackson at least initially, was pretty impressive. The Miami game definitely disappointed me. I thought we ended up, I mean, me and Joey talked about last week how we ended up playing their game a bit uh, instead of playing our game. And, uh, you know, that led to a loss. And it definitely, there were definitely some negatives in, in it. But for some reason, the Miami game actually came out, I came out feeling a little bit better than I did after the Clemson game. So, yes. I still agree that the Clemson win makes me feel better, but I also said that I felt that we would find out what this team is made of against Miami. And to be honest, I'm not sure we did. I think we <laughs> still may, I, I think we still may be waiting. I think I may have underestimated Miami. I think it may be a few more weeks before we finally figure out what is Georgia Tech. I'm not really I'm not really sure we know yet. We've mm -hmm. beaten up on some teams that are way down in the bottom of the barrel. And uh, we've gotten beaten badly by a team that's at the cream of the crop. And uh, we've gotten beaten on some dumb plays by a team that may or may not be cream of the crop. Get back to me in three weeks. Mm. <laughs> kind of team. Yeah, I came out definitely feeling better after Miami. I know it's a 14-point loss, but like I said, just looking at the numbers and stuff that – you know, Tech moved the ball. They they blocked better. They ran it effectively, and that's mainly what I wanted to see. It's a loss, but it's because of really two plays, and I can't – I'm not going to look at the rest of the year based off of, 
you know, a random missed block that, you know, he gets sacked and then a weird miscommunication. You know, I want to see less of those type of errors, and that's what Johnson keeps saying is those types of plays are happening way more than they should be. But the overall play of the team was, uh, I thought, pretty good for a good Miami defense. It's it's pretty fast, and and I also like like to say that too. That's a pretty fast Miami defense, and they still ran the ball on the perimeter pretty well, a lot better than I expected. Um, Let's see. This is from Bowden Rambler. And talking about Johnson's comments uh, on the radio show on Monday, um, it's pretty long what he says here, but just talking about um, needing better facilities and more people in the recruiting office and that kind of stuff. So he asks that, you know, should we still stand up for Paul Johnson and the program, and do you think he's at a point where he's fed up with tech's support? Uh, Kiefer, I know this is something you feel pretty strongly about, so – what do you think about his comments on Monday? I think he hit the nail on the head, and I think the truth needed to be said. And I've, you know, some people I've, I've even seen columnists go out and say, you know, you shouldn't have said that. But some things need to be said. Sometimes when you get a new AD coming in, you, you got to lay down your expectations. And maybe doing it publicly wasn't necessarily the right way to do it. But man, I, I am sick and tired of falling behind. I'm sick and tired of falling behind all these teams around us. Uh, college football, way more than any other sport, is driven by the support the institution and the fan base give to the athletic department. And that is something that Tech fans are horrible at. We, we just, we're always skeptical and we always feel like we... I don't want to say we always feel like we know better, but I'm, I am, I'm very disappointed in the support that we get. I mean, just look at the people aren't showing up to Bobby Dodd on Saturday. Um, other than that, the, the school needs to make football, and this is something I've had discussions with with people outside of this, part of its it, – athletics don't seem to be a part of the school's core mission, but – that at the same time that is what people see that is what people are seeing on television about your school when do schools advertise well they advertise during their football games so I I don't think Georgia Tech values its athletic programs enough and I don't think the fans value what they have enough so to me I'm just disappointed with a lack of appreciation and support especially when you see what the levels of appreciation support the fans and the institution give Clemson and what monster that has built, mm-hmm. it really is that simple. And, and Georgia Tech's never going to be Clemson, and I'm fine with that. I don't really ever want to be Clemson. <laughs> but I do want to see us kind of stand up and take ownership of what we have mm-hmm. on an institution level, and from a fan base level. Otherwise, it's never going to get better. Next coach isn't going to do any better. Sometimes it falls on you. So do what you have to do. Yep, I, I agree with everything you said. And I disagree with all of the, you know, the people that are acting like what he said was you know, not necessary or he said too much because I know and apparently, you know, well, I just I think he, he needed to say that and – 
I don't want it. I don't think it should be seen as him. I think some people thought he was saying we'll never be able to play with Clemson ever and, and saw it too much as a pessimistic statement. But what he's saying is on this current track, we're not. And, and it's true. Like, like you said, it's just that's the fact. And um, people have to accept that. So it wasn't Johnson, I think, being negative, And I don't think anybody should say that. And you know, people are worried about recruits and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, something's got to change. And sure, I think Johnson, you know, if he, you know, what, something Bowden said here was, sounds like he's saying, get with it or fire me. And I mean, sure, if, if he's that uh, unsatisfied and it's not on a good path. And I think he's seen the, the support hasn't been too good this season. It, so much about it is about money. I've been reading the, the system that's uh, out right now. It's a huge book about college football and just the money involved, and that's that's a huge key. So support, money. So something's got to change or recruiting isn't. Um, and I think that's about all we have this week. A little under 30 minutes. We got it done fast like we needed to. Uh, Kiefer, thanks for joining me. Hey, Tom. And let's hope that Georgia Tech finally gets back on track on Saturday. Big underdogs, but I'm seeing it as a pretty winnable game. If not, then all of a sudden at 3-3, three and three, we're going to have a lot to talk about next week and how ugly this thing could possibly get for the rest of the season. Yeah, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> all right, so that is it. Thanks to everybody for listening, and we'll see you again next week.